You are listening to You Heard It Here Second, Episode 12, brought to you by Mr. Gregg's ninth grade math class at the Academy of the Pacific Rim. The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. More information can be found on our website, derekandsteve.com. If you're the one person who said yes is a sandwich, you're a crazy person. Stop listening to our podcast and go to a mental institution. I would actually prefer you continue to listen, but you are crazy and maybe listen from the mental institution. Derek and Steve present. Like every time he throws a yeah. pitch, he's like, cha-ching, it's, like home run, <laughs> cha-ching, like doesn't matter, underhand, cha-ching. It's really a terrible captain. Terrible. Um, doesn't know Barf. how to run a football team. Barf. It's just the man trying to keep the hot dogs down. Maybe Four Guys is in our future. Four Guys, Burgers, and Guys. Burgers and Fries. Burgers and four Fries. Four Guys, Burgers, four and guys, Burgers, and Guys would be strange. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 12 of You Heard It Here Second. I'm Derek. This is Steve. Steve, what's happening? What's happening? Wow. You usually say, how you doing? I say, how you doing? Oh, I was not prepared for what's yeah. happening. Get into um, a kind of a rhythm with this thing. Kind yeah. of repeat yourself. So but. what's happening? Um, <laughs> not much, Derek. I feel good. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, we've got a good episode for you. Episode 12. Um, going to be quicker than usual, we expect. Expect. Um, we've no said speci- that before. We have. Yeah. No special guests this week. Um, but we have some hot topics yeah. um, and a fun opening kickoff, which um, I'll pose the question to you because it's it's one of my close friends' questions, and, and I proposed it to uh, my close friends now. Um, so, opening kickoff, who would win in a fight? Um, and these two um, divisions are working together um, on a team. So, who would win in a fight between five wolves or two panthers? Five wolves and two panthers. Yes. That's a tough one. Um, there's, I think... Neutral ground. Neutral ground. That, that, no we, home we've, field we've advantage. We've established <laughs> that the habitat is important, and uh, there's no home field advantage here. Uh, by their nature, the, the wolves do hunt in packs, so that's a that's an important thing to consider. But how big does the pack need to be? Exactly. Like and what's so, a pack? So, and, and I think... Uh, it would be a little bit easier if the number of wolves was lesser, I think. But but pushing it up to five wolves makes it real tough. Um, I'm going to go with five wolves. I think that, I, to be honest, I think I would take two panthers against four wolves. Mm-hmm. But against five, I think it's too much. Because I don't think a panther can take three wolves by himself. That extra because, wolf. Because they, they, they can get every side of the panther. And so, in that equation, a panther's going to have to take down three wolves if they're going to win. So, uh, I don't think that the panthers have the speed to... I feel like we're talking about the Super Bowl again. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think the Panthers have the speed to be able to evade three wolves at once, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the wolves are going to be able to work as a team better than the two Panthers will. Because if the Panthers are gonna have a chance, they need to also work as a team to figure out how to systematically take down all five. And I think that the wolves are gonna be much better at working as a team. So I'm gonna go with the five wolves over the two Panthers. Um, I disagree with you. All I right. think two Panthers win. Um, Panthers have the reach. They do. I think just because wolves hunt in packs doesn't mean that Panthers can't work together. Uh, Panthers are big, strong. They are. Very scary animals. Um, yeah, you know, I think Panthers, I think the reach and the the fact that the claws, mm-hmm. like a, like wolves have their teeth. That's yeah. what they have. Um, and Panthers have. They got the teeth and the claws. Teeth and the claws and long reach. Right. Um, I, I think one good smack. That's true. And a wolf is. Down for the count, at least. Yeah, is is kind of, I don't know. I think, I mean, obviously, I would never enjoy watching this, but <laughs> I think it's a matchup that I enjoy talking about. So, um, I would go two Panthers. Um, there's no actual way we'll ever find out. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I agree with that part. Question. Um, I, it's, I think I think the reach is a big one. I think the Panthers being able to use their paws is huge. Like I think if it was two Panthers versus four Wolves, like I said, I think I'd take the Panthers. I, th- I think the extra Wolf is what gets me. It's it's what puts me over the edge with the Wolves. So there, there well, you have that's it. That's it. The opening kickoff. That, that was We're it. We're split. We're split on that one. Yeah, so we, we'll need, never we need know. the fans' opinion. So write us in. Five we'll wolves make, versus two panthers on neutral ground. Make that a poll. A poll, yeah, Just put yeah. that on the we'll, website. We'll put it online. Um, We're gonna put could, that on the blog. We're gonna post a blog post with this poll in it. Yes, and just please select who you think would win between five wolves or two panthers. And uh, the panthers are like big, strong, scary. They're, they're panthers. both. They're, they're both the class of their breed. Yes. You know? Yes. So they're 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 your standard champion breed wolf and panther. So. That's the just yeah. you're you're going based off of that, and they're in a neutral site. They're not in no not in the jungle. They're not in the mountains. They're in whatever is they're the most a, whatever the neutral site between Panthers and in Wolves a is. Parking lot. A parking lot. <laughs> yeah. They're in a parking lot before an NFL game. <laughs> yeah. Between two teams that are not related to Panthers and Wolves, so so there you go. Consider that. <laughs> <laughs> so think about that one and go online and uh, vote on the blog post that we will have posted. Uh, on our blog that we haven't used that much, but it's blog. this is for the it's blog. for this purpose blog. that we want it. We wanted to have it for this to throw something up there uh, and be able to have votes. So there you go, DerekandSteve dot com. Uh, go to the blog and vote for five Panthers or two Wolves to win in a fight in a neutral. No, round. no, 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 no. Sorry, that would be easy. That would be, <laughs> yeah. be an easy choice. Five, five wolves, wolves or two, two Panthers. Panthers. Okay, cool. Uh, so that's the opening kickoff. Now we'll move into the first quarter, which is sports and. A lot of you might have missed sports because we didn't barely. We really talked about it at all last week. I missed sports. I, I missed sports so much. Um, so uh, still not a ton of sports going on. Um, some fun topics. Some though. fun topics. Quick hitters. Um, but yeah, we're still missing football. I think football is a big uh, topic. But and and we're in just we're just before a time in the NBA and the NHL where we're really ramping up into playoffs. We're at the trade deadline time. Some exciting things happen, but it's usually kind of a letdown with this the trade is, deadline. This is a time in sports where if you really care about sports. All you care about is expert opinions, which we don't have. <laughs> we definitely don't have that. This, that. That's a fair point. Um, and and you know, obviously, it's there's still plenty of interesting things going on. But um, in general, maybe not as uh, high stakes things going on right now. But on Saturday, we had one of the best games of the NBA season, without a doubt. Which without was the, a doubt. Which was the Warriors and the Thunder. Obviously, two of the premier teams in the NBA. Uh, the Warriors, fifty three and five now, uh, which is. Which is unfathomable that a team's going to have to beat them in a four game series, uh, four times in a seven game series, and they've lost five times in fifty eight games. Yeah. So, uh, but the Warriors versus Thunder Warriors storm back at the end of the game, and Steph Curry is just a robot to win that game for them. Uh, forty six points, I think, in that in that effort. So, just unbelievable. And what the Warriors are doing right now kind of transcends the game almost. It doesn't feel like you're watching basketball. It's it, crazy to say because. This time last year, we would be saying, basketball sucks. It's tough to watch. <laughs> it's so top-heavy. Um, your team will never win. Only three or four teams ever win. They are making it fun to watch again. Yeah. They are making... If you're going to have a, a, a league that is so top-heavy that only four or five teams have even a remote chance of winning, they better be the best teams. Yeah. And it better not be like, oh, some teams happen to be better than the rest of the crappy teams. This is a clear cut. There are... Five or six, but in reality, three. Yeah, excellent teams. Yeah, and they're they're fun to watch. Yeah. The Warriors, and we don't get to watch the Warriors too often, which yeah. is why I enjoyed watching that full. We watched that full game on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are explosive. Oh yeah, 
teams. Not a lot of defense going on, but you can't play defense against you, you, those people. <laughs> yeah, you can't. And, and uh, that that kind of leads into what one of the big talking points has been in the last week or so is that a lot of these retired NBA legends are kind of making some waves here. I don't know how much of this you've seen, but a lot of them are coming out and speaking out against the Warriors and talking about the fact that they're just kind of benefiting from the new age of the NBA yeah, and that soft NBA. the NBA is soft and they don't, you know, a lot no no fouls are basically every foul is called. There's no physical play, and I mean. I don't know what you think about it. I think it's a little bit over the top to be criticizing this team. I mean, I don't care what NBA this team's playing. How are you going to stop Steph Curry from hitting that shot to win the game? I think this is, and it's weird because we're in the moment, but one of those things where you're going to look back and be like, that was the best. They're they're going to compare teams to this team. They have to, similar to the Bulls. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, if Steph Curry and and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and and the rest can keep that going – um, they're going to be in that conversation easily, yeah. um, and it's hard to know what their legacy will be while they're in it. Yeah, it but is. this is certainly people at least trying not to give them the crown without having this sort of legacy built beneath them. But it's obvious that it's going to be there. So, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch the next few years in NBA is going to be very fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, really when it comes down to it, it's um, it's it's something that is. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be remembered for years the way that this team's playing and I think that when you look at the how much they dominate you also have the team that's right on their heels in the San Antonio Spurs who is on a pace to finish sixty nine and thirteen and no one cares which is about what that. no one cares about that's three wins off of the Bulls record of seventy two wins and nobody cares about them and that's exactly and, what Greg Popovich wants it is it's, it's true they could it's, not have a better uh, scenario right now it's exactly what they want and 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 especially with the thunder taking all the the kind of the recognition of being people after that game were were talk were have the perception that those two teams are the two best teams in the league by far after yeah. watching that game and the reality is the spurs are better than the thunder and so it's that's exactly where they want to be and you know, it's obviously dangerous for the Warriors, but I think going back to what you were saying, as much as you love and respect the Spurs for the way that they've always played as a team, I mean, just ridiculously good system and the way they play basketball is so fundamentally perfect. Um, but if it was the Spurs with this success as opposed to the Warriors, they're not quite as fun to watch. No, they I don't mean, have a stud is the thing. They The Spurs play unbelievable team yeah, and, basketball. And Kawhi Leonard's kind of becoming one, but they're still, I mean, he, he's not hes not a Steph Curry stud. He's really, a, yeah. he's a great defender. He plays exactly what the team needs him to do. Here's and, a question for yeah. you, because um, all the points we've hit on are pretty obvious. I want an opinion question. Steph Curry, opinion, go. He is uh, unguardable, for sure. Um, do, you, he's, um, do you like him or dislike him? I like him. Okay. I like him. I, uh, I think... He, uh, I have a, it's, it's, it's saying something to say that I like him because I have a, and and most people have a very, uh, steady inclination to start disliking people who everyone loves. I mean, yeah. the, the person that everyone fawns over like and me, that's why you don't like me so much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the person who everyone goes crazy over, it's very easy to, to dislike that person and to, and to start to get sick of them. I got sick of LeBron. I got sick of Cam Newton. Cam Newton. You get sick of all these guys that succeed. I'm not sick of Steph yet. And, and I think it's because of just how fun he is to watch. It's, it never gets old watching a guy make it look so easy to hit shots from so far. And, and the, I think the best thing about Steph is that that's not all he does. I mean, he'll drive to the basket and make highlight real plays. He'll make highlight real passes. 
steals. I mean, all the it, it's really a complete game. And I think the one thing that I will say is probably the the biggest reason I'm able to still continue to like him is that he hasn't always been this way. He actually became that way after coming into the NBA. He didn't. He was that way in college. He got to the NBA and he was not a superstar for about three, four years. He wasn't a superstar, and he became one. Which I hope that that can continue to happen in sports. I, I would hope that the NBA doesn't have to continue being a LeBron James, Tim Duncan, you know, only lottery number one picks are the ones who succeed. I don't like that type of a sporting yeah. culture and environment. So I love that Steph being, you know, seventh pick overall is still pretty damn high, but you know, he, he wasn't a superstar right away. And so I, I, that part of it, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, them also in that equation of not being superstars right away. That's why I think I'm able to continue to like the Warriors despite their success is that they did it with a blueprint that is something that I wish NBA teams could continue to do more of rather than just landing in the lottery and getting the best player in the world. I will say, I agree with you. Um, As a team, I think they're the most well-put-together team. They fit each other's. And and this is, considering the Spurs as well, who I think are the most well-coached team, I think, like, look at Luke Walton. (laughs) Luke Walton, Steve Kerr was winning coach coach of the month. Yeah. In a hospital, not coaching yeah. his team, because yeah. Luke Walton is the backup coach and yeah. steps in and casually wins eighteen in a row. Like right. there's no, right. there, like anyone could coach. Me and you could coach that team. Yeah, we could. Um, but Steph Curry, as a person, I'm kind of getting a little sick of him. Are you? Yeah, he's getting really cocky and he's kind of like a little twerpy the- basketball player. Um, like you think of the stud basketball players. They're these big physical, like yeah. slam dunks is what you see. Like a lot of drives. Um, it's not so much finesse. It's more right. like overpower, like Shaq, yeah. Kobe, yeah. these people Loud. who just, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, it, it's, it's weird to say because um, Steph is kind of like a reserved person. He, he's like a nicer person. But when you think of like your basketball stud, yeah. like who do you want? Yeah. There's five guys on a court. You want one of them to be like your Allen Iverson. Yeah. You know, you want this big ego you want all this going on um and he's kind of just quietly and he knows he's so good and he just like <laughs> quietly dances and takes shots from wherever yeah. he wants on the court like he he, he knows yeah his teammates give him the longest leash that anyone in the nba has ever had to take whatever shot you yeah. want which is fine he's yeah. an unbelievable player it's just a weird way of rooting for the best basketball player in the world is just having him shoot from anywhere on the court yeah and, and when you're used to that flash you're used to I mean, he's he's a great passer, which is, which yeah. is pretty flashy. But yeah, I mean, he has all that that, that you're referring to. But I, I know what you mean. Like you I think, think like LeBron James, like yeah. Shaq, like these yeah. these big, huge, hulking basketball players who are dominating the court because of their physical ability, and he's not yeah. doing it because of his physical ability, which right. is crazy. Right. It's it's true, and and I think um, when you you mentioned the shot selection, and I think him getting cocky is definitely true. I mean. The, everyone, no one's going to remember this from that Warriors game, but he took a terrible shot that could have easily lost them the game if they hadn't had a crazy comeback at the end of regulation to win. Yeah. But while they were making a comeback, I just remember he 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 ran up the court and he pulled up from like thirty feet, and nobody, no, the rest of his team wasn't down the court yet to try to rebound the ball, and he just pulled up and pulled up and took a contested three that was like that wasn't even close. I think he front rimmed it because he was just way too far out. And I know that that's him, and you accept that. Obviously, you're going to accept that with the shots that he makes. I mean, if you, you have no reason to complain at all if you're a Warriors fan for him yeah, throwing that shot not. up. Yeah. But it, it does speak to the fact that, we said this before, I don't know if there's ever been a player in the NBA that has gotten away with worse shot selection 
than Steph Curry. Maybe Kobe Bryant. Maybe Kobe. Kobe and Kobe's showing this year. He's still taking the same shots, and he's yeah. probably, I don't know what he's shooting this year. He's probably he's shooting really under, bad. Like under thirty five percent. I would assume. He, I, I don't his know. His field know goal percentage is worse than Steph's three point percentage. Oh yeah, I, it, it's got to be. Um, and so that's what you're seeing. And you know, years and years from now, if Steph continues to take these shots, eventually he's going to look like that too. So, I mean, the the good thing, like we said, is that he's a very good all around player still, and I'm sure he can change. But overall, I, I I'm still on Steph's. I'm still I'm still on Team Steph for now. I'm not a huge. I'm not like he's not my favorite player or anything, but I still like him. So okay. And speaking of players who never ever miss. Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer. Now, for those of you who don't remember Jimmer Fredette, I can't even remember what college he was on. I probably should have looked it up. Um, but he was in the NBA. He was drafted in the NBA. He was a, he was a lights out shooter, um, similar to Steph. He didn't create shots as much, but he could hit from anywhere. Um, are you looking up where he went to college? BYU. BYU. Um, kind of smaller. Not a great physical presence, um, but. Been kind of dancing around in the D League. He was on the Kings. Now he's on the Knicks. Never really got his shot. Um, got he, he's in the the mix for getting uh, called up to the Knicks if he hasn't yet already. Um, and the fans are kind of quietly going nuts for him. <laughs> he got in one game, touched the ball, and the whole stadium went crazy. Yeah. Um, he hit a three, and everyone went nuts because he's he's this household name you kind of yeah, forgot. Yeah. Um, and everyone really wants him to be good. Um, so Jimmer Fredette may be getting a shot soon, Derek. What are your thoughts? You know, I hope he gets it. You know, I'd like to see him get a shot. Um, but I will say, I, I mean, he's going to take a ton of shots when he gets his shot. <laughs> when he, yeah, he, he'll plenty of shots there. But I think uh, I, I'd like to see him get a shot. I, I will say, I don't think that he's going to succeed as far as like you don't think he's going to be better than Steph Curry. <laughs> I, I, I tend to say no. Um, I group him in with with these athletes that that became kind of cult figures either in college or getting into the pros immediately. The two guys, when you were just saying that right there, that came into my head, and this was, I didn't even think of this beforehand, but two comparable guys that came into my head were Tim Tebow and Jeremy Lin, guys that just bursted onto the scene, became a, a cult icon kind of, of everyone is all about them during their stretch of success. But they really don't last. And Jeremy Lin is still in the NBA. He's a decent player, I believe. I, I don't know what team he's on. I haven't even followed up. I don't. I'm not. I haven't the done Hornets? my research on that. I, he might be on the Hornets. Yeah, he's got crazy hair now. Yeah, I haven't done my research on any of that. He's still. He's still okay, but he's certainly not the Lin Sanity that, no, that started. Just, he's not that, as Lin Sane as he used yeah, to be. And, and the same thing with Tim Tebow. He's not even in the NFL anymore. But there's a Tim Tebow is probably the worst quarterback. There, there was ever a poll. In the NFL. There was a poll last week that uh, polled fans for their top five favorite and least favorite quarterbacks. And Tim Tebow and Tom Brady are the only two guys that are on both lists. Tim Tebow <laughs> hasn't played in the NFL since 2012. And he's on both lists of being a top five favorite and a top five least favorite quarterback, which is insane. Like he hasn't played in the NFL in three years. Yeah. Um, so it's those kind of guys that I compare him to. And so I think that Jimmer obviously was a great shooter every time we saw him play in college. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I'd like to see him get a shot, but I don't have my hopes up for him becoming a solid NBA player. So you heard it here a second. Keep an eye and an ear out for Jimmer for dead. Jimmer. He's back. He's back. Um, all right, now last topic in sports, we'll go to our favorite topic, which is how bad 
the Boston College football and basketball programs are. So Scary bad. We'll, we'll start this with the only silver lining on this, not related to their losing, but related to the athletic department. They're building a bunch of new facilities, which is good. Uh, so whenever those are ready, th- that'll be great, probably in five or ten years. If you build it, they will uh, come. If you build it, they will come. So they're spending about $200 million on athletic uh, improvements, which I will say is much needed. They'll have a yeah. uh, year-round ability to practice for the football team and the baseball team and whoever else they have to practice in there. Um, better facilities all around is definitely needed at a school like BC because we've been around there and I just get the impression it is not on the level with these places like Clemson and FSU and these other big time schools they're competing with. I just get the sense they have a lot better facilities yeah. than BC does. So 200 million, a lot of that comes from our tailgate spend. That's true. That's yeah, true. About so half, I think. About half of the 200 million came from uh, us buying tailgate spots. Um, but I, I'm happy about the announcement. It's, it's gotten mixed reviews, yeah. I will say, because people, some we see it, I think, the same, where it's one of those, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Like, we understand we won't probably won't be good at sports for <laughs> five or ten years, but this is a way to at least attract yeah. some yeah. higher-level athletes. At least a couple years from now, you can convince kids that, hey, this beautiful new facility is going to be ready in two years from when, when you're coming here or something And a like lot that. of people, um, which I don't really understand, but it, I think it's more just sour grapes, are saying to Brad Bates, we have terrible teams. Like, we're investing a lot of money in really bad teams. Yeah. Um, that money can be used elsewhere type right. type arguments. Right. Um, which I, I guess I can see. But if you're if, if you take, if you want better teams, you gotta if, do something. Yeah, yeah. And this is I think this is a fine step. If you, if you take that approach, you're never going to you're you're accepting you'll never be good at sports. And I think having a really good and profitable sports program is very good. I, I understand that people you know, it's an academic institution. People don't want it to be all sports. You never want to be, personally, you never want to reach the level of like Alabama football yeah, yeah. Where, where, you know, you don't want to be that. I don't think anybody at BC wants it to be that, but you'd love to be Stanford. I mean, you'd love to have, be a school that has a great dominant sports program, but also God, God forbid Notre Dame. Yeah. I, I would hate to say it, but yeah, that too. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's somewhere to start, but going to this historically bad run, um, BC basketball is two games away from completing the unfathomable football basketball combination winless season in the ACC, which for a team in a major conference in college sports has not been done since 1943 when Georgia in the SEC went 0 and 5 because their uh, seasons were shortened by World War II. They went 0 and 5. BC is about to go 0 and 28. And we didn't even get the luxury of World War II. And we did not. <laughs> we did not get the luxury of World War II. And if if you go further back than World War II, realistically, the last team to actually lose a full two seasons was Northwestern in the Big Ten in 1923 to go 0 and 18 in that stretch. So even still, compared to that, BC will lose 10 more games than that at 0 and 28 if they finish these last two losses. Uh, on their schedule against NC State on Wednesday and Clemson on Saturday. So what are we supposed to do or feel? Because I'm, I'm painfully aware of the facts that you just said. <laughs> um, I actively avoid watching Boston College basketball. I, I'm a big fan of Boston College football, and I have no idea what to do with my aggression and sadness and confusion about the situation. Um, I've written a letter to Brad Bates <laughs> because it seemed like the thing to do, <laughs> and he d- built two hundred million dollars worth of athletic facilities so like in response <laughs> to my letter, which was nice of him to do. 
Um, but I really don't know what else to do besides. I mean, I think. I think that this. It's weird to say that them building facilities is them acknowledging the fact that they're terrible at sports yeah. and trying to do something. I mean, this has obviously probably been in the works for a long time, yeah, but we've been has, bad. For, we've been has, bad for a long time. And, um, and it just hap- comes at a really weird time. Basketball has been consistently bad for a long time. The disappointment is football, as much as I hate to say that. The disappointment is football because for two years it looked like this thing was going straight up. I mean, it looked like in Adazio's first two years here, it looked like this team was headed absolutely without a, any question in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and now all you have is these uh, phenomenal defensive players going to the NFL, actually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Justin Simmons uh, has done a great job at the combine. Apparently he's in the top of all the defensive back ratings cool. in the last few days. BC is going to keep sending these kids, but they, they get no athletes offensively to come here. And yeah, it's, I mean, I don't want to get into a, a discussion on BC football at length right now because we have plenty of time until we have to talk yeah. about that and let's we might just, as well wait. Um, just but, touch on the record and yeah, then let's say. 28 if they, next week we'll know. Uh, they will have played their last two games in their schedule pending the ACC tournament, which. <laughs> and we, we will have been one of the worst sporting programs in the past almost 100 years. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane. Which is Boston College is a good school. Yeah. Um, I think we had decent athletics when we were there. I was not painfully. There's relatively. Yeah, I was not upset. There's a tradition of winning at BC. Yeah, historically there is, and you know maybe not at the level of some of, like they're not a national championship football. Matt Ryan was less than ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was less than ten years ago. That when team we ranked num- number two, number two, and had a chance to go to the national championship game. They were, they were one, you know, one touchdown away from going to the national championship game. So yeah, that that's a remarkable fall from grace right there. So. Uh, so there you have it, BC. There you have it. Zero and twenty-eight uh, in a football basketball stretch, and then who knows what will happen next year? But they're going to um, kick us out. They we're in danger of being kicked out. I think so. Uh, so that wraps up sports. Any fun, anything else on sports you want? Uh, I love sports, and I don't care who knows. I neither do I. I love sports too. Okay, cool. So going to the second quarter, it's going to be the Oscars quarter. So Oscars uh, quarter. We don't have Murph today, unfortunately. To bask in his glory of success thank goodness um, but <laughs> it would be a two-hour podcast if we had murph back today <laughs> yeah he, but uh yes. but murph goes five for six in his uh oscar pick in his predictions so uh if in case you guys missed the oscars quickly the winners of the six categories that murph picked uh spotlight wins best picture murph picked that one leonardo dicaprio wins best actor for the revenant uh, in a leading role so that's the big one everyone talked about Brie Larson for The Room wins uh, actress in a, in a leading role. Uh, Mark Rylance wins best supporting actor in Bridge of Spies. That's the one that Murph got wrong. Uh, so that's the the one sneaky one that he missed. Uh, but after that, Alicia Vikander wins best supporting actress for The Danish Girl. And Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu wins best director for The Revenant. So Murph, five out of six impressive showing uh, in his Oscars preview. So what'd you think? I think that's pretty incredible. Um, Spotlight, I probably would have guessed. Leonardo DiCaprio, probably. I mean, a few of them are... I'd say I could probably go three for six. Yeah. But Alicia Vikander, I was out of nowhere. Yeah. That's a great pick. Yeah. Um, I think the Mark Rylance thing is a... I think that was a snub. That was, that, yeah. People were kind of upset about that. So, I mean, I'm I'm very impressed. I don't like to give Murph too much credit because <laughs> he'll, he'll do he all that himself. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but very impressive showing from Murphy's Law. Um, congrats, snaps. Yeah, snaps, snaps, snaps for Murphy's for Law. Murph. Uh, 
he, he did uh, reach out to us to make sure that we were going to acknowledge his five for six, which we have. Um, yeah, we can move on. Goodbye. We, we, <laughs> but we can move on. And of course, Murph uh, will be, has earned the right to be back. We did tell him if he went under 40%, he was going to re- right. be replaced we did by say Kenny. That. And he goes five for six, which is uh, 83%, I think. So phenomenal, phenomenal showing by Murph. Um, but stays, anyway. Stays alive. Stays alive and remains the uh, leading uh, movie expert on You Heard It Here Second. So uh, getting to the Oscars, first uh, we'll talk about Leo, who wins Leo. His, uh, his first Oscar after all this time. Uh, so here is Leo's acceptance speech, if you missed it, uh, which was uh, kind of making some rounds. A lot of people loved it. Some people did not like it. Uh, here, here was it, if you didn't hear it. I just want to say this. Making The Revenant was about man's relationship to the natural world, a world that we collectively felt in 2015 as the hottest year in recorded history. Our production needed to move to the southern tip of this planet just to be able to find snow. Climate change is real. It is happening right now. It is the most urgent threat facing our entire species. And, and we need to work collectively together and stop procrastinating. We need to support leaders around the world who, who do not speak for the big polluters of the big corporations, but who speak for all of humanity, for the indigenous people of the world, for the billions and billions of underprivileged people who will be most affected by this, for our children's children, and for those people out there whose voices have been drowned out by the politics of greed. I thank you all for this amazing award tonight. Let us not take this planet for granted. I do not take tonight for granted. Thank you so much. So there's Leo with his That's Oscar, Leo. Oscar speech. So what'd you think? Okay, I'll go first because um, I, I have a question. Is Do you think that would have been his speech all those other times he was snubbed? Or is this the... I know he's been a, he's been a crusader for climate change yeah, for a while. Yeah. That's actually been his, his stance, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it is is it because he knew this was his yeah. and it was... It was, he was like raring to go, and this is what he wanted to send out. Like, that's I wanted this big emotional. So did everyone, I yeah. think. Yeah, and and it wasn't as so, emotional. It was. I'm, this is my spot. Gotta say it. Gotta do it. Gotta I, do it. I'm a little conflicted on how I feel on it. Um, I love Leo. I love he, Leo too. He crushed it. I, I love think it was Leo. Great. I'm really glad that he won it, and he and he's extremely well spoken. That was a great speech. I mean, when, when you're limited to one minute, they're not going to give you much it, more. Not that they ever would have played the music on Leo. Probably after in that situation, after all the time, I was everyone ask knew that it. Too. I don't think they would have played the music on Leo. But at the same time, I think he knew that he had to be relatively concise. So on one side of me, I agree with you. I think that. It would have been great to see the big emotional outburst, but at the same time, maybe he didn't feel that. I, I mean, everyone else has built this up to be a huge thing. Maybe he didn't feel like he's been snubbed all these years. Now, and maybe he felt like he was going to win it at some point, and it wasn't as big of a deal to him. It's like one of those things you build up in your head in, in terms of, like similar to the the Triple Crown that we, last year, the horsing race, yeah. hadn't happened in X amount of years. You're like, oh, is it going to happen this year? Is it going to happen? Yeah, and it did, yeah. and you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, now what? That's awesome. Yeah, it happened. Right. Like now, what do we do? And it's just yeah. he he was gonna win one. I mean, people wanted him to, but right. in the long run, it really doesn't mean yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't change how good of an actor he's been or yeah. what his career looks like. Um, so, so on one side of me, I would have liked to see that emotional kind of like what you were saying, the big relief of a speech. On the other side, though, I like it when people give speeches like this. I like it when people don't sit there and thank everybody and. Yeah. You know, just break down and say how happy they are. And, and I know that's a good showing of, of real emotion when people do that. But rather than the laundry list of thank yous, I mean, I kind of respect somebody who goes up there and and says, 
because at the same time, this wasn't a totally out of left field rant. I mean, he did kind of he, he spoke about how the Revenant was about that, and yeah. I haven't seen the Revenant yet, which I need to. But uh, it, you know, if that is kind of the basis of what the Revenant is about, and it's also something he believes strongly in, and he relates it to all you know, he what he was relating it to people in the world and the people who will benefit from things. I thought it was a great speech, and I think uh, overall, I have to be pro that speech as opposed to being against it. I, I think I'm okay with it, and. It might have been, like you said, something that he kind of was preparing and just that was his thing and he did it. But either way, I think I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. It's it's just funny and, and interesting coming from a person who could make that speech anytime, he anywhere could. and get the same amount of attention. Yeah. Um, and he, he waited until his Oscar speech yeah. to do it. Um, yeah. And he's been doing, like I said, I, I follow... I like he's he's in basically every Rolling Stones article about because they, they're very liberal and love that, love that yeah. Leo loves the climate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he has been doing this for a while and making a point, but um, he saw his shot to, to do it, and he did it. So <laughs> yeah, um, I respect him for it. I, I really, I, I wanted that, like, kind of, I wanted him to cry or I wanted him to, yeah, like, Yeah, some get, big emotion. Like, choked up. Yeah. And he was just like, the, the planet. Yeah. <laughs> gotta do it for the <laughs> but, planet. Yeah. But, and, you know, I think, honestly... I kind of believe that he didn't have that emotion. That and now we, we're talking we about wanted. it. So he got, yeah, he got it, the... It's true. It's true. And and like you said, he can make that speech anytime and get a lot of attention. But I guess it does exemplify it a lot when it's the Oscar speech. Just because, I mean, we wouldn't be talking about it right now. If Leo, I mean, if Leo at a random time had gone out and made a speech about the climate, every, a lot, everybody would have seen it. But we wouldn't be talking about it. And a lot of people wouldn't be... Yeah debating whether he should have done it or not. Or, you know, Leo. It, it comes down to it, and, and I think his his goal probably succeeded in that nobody can actually look at his speech and and kind of be mad that he did it because nobody can sit there and just say, like, oh, whatever, like, yeah. you know, climate, who cares? He could have gone up there and, and said gibberish, yeah. and I would have been like, he deserved it. He could have <laughs> yeah. done whatever he wanted exactly. up there. Exactly. So, uh, so Leo finally wins. Everyone's happy. Uh, we can no longer... Uh, go on every year wondering if he's going to win so thank goodness he, he that was such that. a dumb oscar <laughs> storyline yeah every, every year and all the memes and everything that yeah. was going around the internet um so so he wins but now moving to the oscars in general uh quickly we'll talk about chris rock hosting first of all wondering what you thought of that and then the overall overarching very excessive very uh, excessive hitting on the the racial controversies that led up to these oscars yeah it was obvious that it was the elephant in the room that was going to be addressed it was addressed at every single turn of the oscars um what'd you think about how chris rock did and how the writing for the overall show was um i'll say this this is obviously coming from a perspective of two pretty white guys <laughs> really, really white guys. <laughs> really white um I, I i like that they addressed it right up front because uh, for some reason, it was. I mean, not for some reason. Obviously, it is a big deal. Yeah. But Chris Rock has said, like, why this year over the other years? Like, um, it was a little heavy-handed. I think there was a lot of awkward jokes. There's a lot of. I mean, that's how you got to do it. it. It's a weird. It's a very tough line and a tough thing for him to do. Chris yeah, Rock. Oh, yeah. I think. I think he did an excellent job. job. I yeah. love Chris Rock. I always have. Um, I think it could have been addressed in a very professional like adult manner which i can't remember her name but someone came on and basically said everyone everyone in this room has the most influence out of probably like the top five percent of influence in the world like if you go out and actually do something about it try to use your power not just like nod and agree um to make these changes they will happen and and 
that to me, I was like, that's what needs to be happening this entire, like, I don't care if you, you preach to me the entire time. Cause like, that's what I kind of want. I want yeah. change. I don't right. want to feel like awkward and you know, and that's what they were, right. they were just kind of addressing the issue rather than, or like they were just kind of bringing up the issue rather than addressing it. Right. Um, and I agree, there were some awkward points. I mean, there's it was hilarious. There was a lot yeah, of great, there were a lot of great jokes. Like, as great well jokes. As jokes. Um, it's it's what the Oscars need. It's a bunch of like uncomfortable white people sitting in a room with Chris Rock, basically <laughs> ripping into them, yeah. which was great. Um, but it, it over it overshadowed it's, a lot of the Oscars. I think. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And I think, um, yeah, I I felt that coming back from every commercial and doing another joke about it was really excessive. I, it was great that he addressed it. Head on in the monologue, he made jokes about it. He lightened it, uh, and again, Chris Rock's delivery I think was great. I think he did a great job with what I mean. It's all written. Half that stuff is written in for him. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he writes a lot of it, but the things he had to do and talk about, I'm sure a lot of that stuff was given to him that he had to do. Um, so I think he did a really good job with it. I think that the jokes were over the top, but I thought a lot of them were funny. Um, a lot of them were not funny at all, and kind of uh, some of them were in bad taste. I thought so. The, there was definitely a mixed bag there. Um, but overall, I think that he did a good job with it. I think the Oscars, uh, this is a common theme that we talk about now with every event that we watch. It's way too long. They have way too way many performances. Too There's Ugh. no need for performances at the Oscars. The, exactly. The performances for the Grammys the, the, two weeks earlier. And, and the Golden Globes before that and, and every other thing ever. They're, they, you don't need to have performances at every single event. I don't need, especially and, four of them. And the fact that I went to bed before the main awards came on. It, I don't like that. I, no. mean, I mean, it's this, it's the, it's, I had to wake up in the morning and look at Leo's speech on YouTube and I had to go find out who won best picture. And it, for something that starts at eight thirty or eight or eight thirty PM, there's no reason you can't end that before 11. And yeah. it just goes on and on and on. And I think that's my biggest criticism of it. Not what Chris Rock did or not any of the racial stuff or anything like that. I thought that was handled. Okay. Like we said, a little heavy handed, but it was Okay. The length of it is just unacceptable. I think it's it's way too long, and there's no need for that many performances. So. I'm gonna write a letter to the Academy. Let's do it. And Let's write letters. They'll build a new facility. They'll build a 200 million dollar facility, an Oscar facility, yeah, to, to have the to performances se- held separately. Yeah, like, or they can do a big concert the day before the Oscars, so that no one. That'd be a great idea, actually. No, a just, big, a big just, concert. All the stars can go. Big just concert. Scrap, Everybody can perform. Scrap the performances. Show the highlights. If you want to watch the performances, you can. I would um, almost rather just and. and I like the pageantry of it. It's cool. It's it's like wow. You, you, it makes the Oscars really worth receiving, and and makes the actors and actresses want them. But I would almost rather just have the presenters go up and say the nominees and say the winners. Yeah. Of the ten of ten best categories, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like not even a host. Yeah. No, just like a few good yeah. actors and actresses up there. Good banter. Yeah. And then. The awards. I, I will say one thing I liked about this Oscars, um, with the pre- presentation of the awards, I thought they actually, I thought some of the camera work and the presentation of it was actually really cool. Personally, um, the, there was a couple times I, I remember specifically, I think it was the Best Supporting Actress award uh, when that was being read. The cameraman was basically in front of the person who was presenting. And their five faces were on that, the screen behind them. That happened a them. few times, and it went yeah, back and, and the forth. camera would pan so that the person who they were saying was next to the person who was on stage presenting in the background. And it, it's hard to explain, but it was—I think—it was very cool the way they shot that. Yeah. And so some of the things like that I thought were really well done. But I, in general, agree with you that there's a lot of fluff in between. 
I don't mind the way that they present the best picture uh, trailers throughout the show. I, I, th- I think that's okay. I don't like that. You don't like that? Mm-mm. I think that's, I personally don't mind that just because there's so many best pictures that if you're going to run through all the all eight trailers at once, it might be a little much. But regardless, I think there's clearly a lot of fluff that they can cut out from that. But all right, give, overall. Give the Oscars Derek Robinson Dragon Fruit. Dragon Fruits. Coin that this weekend. It's the new term. So Steve's got the avocados. I don't like avocados because I'm weird. But I, we got the dragon fruit. So noted. Uh, Derek's dragon fruits. I'll give the Oscars seventy one. Seventy one percent. Seventy one percent. Derek dragon. Fruits. Remember that number because that number is going to come back for me in a different Ooh, rating okay. system. But okay. I'll give this Oscars. Honestly, I I you're right. I fell asleep during it. Um, a lot of the things I didn't like. A few of the jokes went over my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Mad Max one a ton. Yeah, that was great. That was great. So I'm gonna say like a fifty eight percent. Steve Nicholas avocados. So that's respectable. That's, not that's certified guac. Not certified. No, no. Mine's not certified. We had to think. I got to think of what mine is. Certified I don't even something. know what you make dragon fruit. I don't even with. know what dragon fruit is. So, <laughs> um, so, so there you go. And uh, so 71% will come back later. We'll think about that one. So any final thoughts on the Oscars? Um, No. No, me neither. Okay, cool. Cool. So third quarter. Uh, trivia. Every, trivia's back. Everyone dun, loves nah, trivia. Dun, nah, nah, dun. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so you want to start the clue or you want to, you want me to start the clues? Um, I'll start the clues, um, but as you know, the, the questions being asked are, um, in order of difficulty, we believe, um, this is a random person, um, a little less relevant, a little less relevant than, so keep that in mind. Um, the first clue coming in at you, this person was born May 2nd, 1972, in Hayward, California, uh, and their age is 43 years old. So May 2nd, 1972, in Hayward, California, and they are 43 years old. All right, and clue number two, this person had an incredibly accomplished sports career that included eight championships before retiring in 2004. He was a member of the 1991 Miami Hurricanes National Championship team at the U. So a lot of sports accolades. Sports. Um, which sport? Who knows? Um, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> As a professional wrestler, he had he has been known by many names, um, including Rocky Mavia and Flex Kavana. So this person was also a wrestler at one point and had been known by the names Rocky Mavia and Flex Kavana. Rocky and Flex. Cool nicknames. In 2013, Forbes named him the top-grossing actor of 2013, his films collectively earning over $1.3 billion at the box offices worldwide. So, multi-talented So, you, so you can eliminate Derek Robinson. I, that is no longer me. Everything else was looking good for me. At age one, I was on the Miami Hurricanes National Championship team. All right, get out of here. Um, feature films uh, for this person include, and you should get it, by this point. You sure already have it, but feature films for this person include San Andreas, Fast and Furious series, Scorpion King, and Gridiron Gang. And also Ballers on HBO. And Ballers uh, on HBO. And the answer, of course, is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Do you so. smell what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. There's your trivia question. Hopefully you guys got it on the first clue or the second clue. Uh, maybe the third if you were taking some slow uh, approaches to this one. The but. fourth if you weren't paying attention. If you weren't, or, the, or the last one if you just heard us say it. So Yeah. Cool. So that's the third quarter. Trivia's over, and we move to the fourth. Wait, I want to note about oh, no, no. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, I read an article about him about 
some point recently, and I can't pinpoint when, I don't think anyone can, Dwayne The Rock Johnson became the most relatable person. Really? Well, it, like if he's in a movie, you know, like true. he's yeah. just always this comforting presence That's to have true. in a movie. Um, and he looks the least like a human being. <laughs> yeah. He's probably the least human of any person on the planet. But he's the most relatable. Most relatable to that all is, humans. That is true. That is interesting. I didn't think about that, but it, it, he is. Like in Ballers, this is the most recent thing I've watched with him in it. And it's uh, he's like a comforting yeah. presence. He he's uh, you know he he doesn't do too much crazy stuff. You can kind out, of you outside can kind of, of feel movies. for him. Yeah, yeah. I like that take. That's that's a, that's that's a good one. Cool, Derek. All right, so fourth quarter, The Bachelor, and also one uh, local topic about our weekend. So first, The Bachelor. The Bachelor. Uh, final three in the episode tonight is now down to final two, both of whom he loves. Thank so, goodness. Uh, so unfortunately, I think you uh, didn't nail it. So, the, whoa, 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 Well, you did nail it. Whoa, but whoa, 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 whoa. You nailed it, but you definitely nailed officially it. didn't nail it because you, you were desperate. I was desperate. I needed some points. I was in second place. Everybody and their moms knew that Lauren B. and JoJo are the top two. Everybody who, even if you didn't watch The Bachelor, <laughs> you, you, I could have given you those three names and you'd be like, oh, I've heard those names. Yeah. Lauren B., JoJo. Um, so I needed a, I needed Hail Mary. Uh, I kept Kayla in, dropped JoJo, hoping that something crazy would happen this episode to try to get me back in the first place. Mm-hmm. It obviously didn't. Um, it was the most standard episode I've ever watched. Um, <laughs> it's hard to watch now. It's very I tough actually, to watch now. it's weird, and we'll get into this a bit more. But I thought I was gonna like it a lot more now that all the people I hated were gone. Yeah, it doesn't. And I actually dislike it so much more. It reached its peak for us when there was about six people left, and it was the episode we sat there and said, "Now we can't figure out who's gonna go home." Yeah, right around that time was the peak, <laughs> and it, and not ever know- since then, apparently, not knowing was the key to yeah. why it was fun. Yeah, and now since then, it's it's not it's not. I don't know if it's necessarily knowing because I don't know which of these two girls is gonna win because he loves them both, but it won't be. Interesting to me uh, yeah. to fate to see the the only interesting interesting thing to me will be to see how much he struggles with it and how yeah. much he starts crying to himself and and telling and people how much he's people, cried about it. Yeah, yeah, you really made it a point to make sure that Lauren knew that he cried uh, when talking to her sister. But um, but yeah, I think so. What's your thought on him telling two people he loves them? It's uh, a bold play, four times each. I'll <laughs> say that it's it's a very bold play on his part to tell two girls. That he in in a base, in two weeks he'll have to marry one and send the other home and send the other home, um, and a, and if we're to believe him, he doesn't know which one it is yet. <laughs> but he will. But he, he will, will know, and he will love them and marry them and love them forever. Right. Because that's right. how it works. That, that's how it works. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> the whole thing is it's getting way weirder, and it's this is probably because this is our first full season watching true, The Bachelor, true. so we didn't know that this is how it works. But the last few episodes have gotten much more mushier. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot less drama. A lot more crying. And a lot more... Well, I don't even know what to call it. Just like lovey-dovey. You're right. It's it's less about the girls and more about Ben now. Because um, we know which girls he likes. We yeah. knew that last week. Yeah. Um, now it's about watching the internal struggle of this guy. Yeah, and... Who's a total is, dweeb. But it is only at this point, really, it's at this point that it's now flipped to him. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's obviously it's harder for the girls, too, but it is a 180 for him now. It's like when there's five girls left, he, you know, he can send one home and be like, uh, okay, 
like you know she's clearly behind or like you know she's not she didn't get so close that she's heartbroken it's now that it's all on him i mean oops. i mean it's like, I oops, sorry i i guess i dragged you along this whole time I but i never told you i loved you yeah <laughs> Eey, but i think the the most unbelievable part about this is that at no point because when you're watching that episode today when you almost cringe when he when he starts saying he loves Jojo because it's like yeah. oh he he's gonna realize at some point that he is doubling up here yep and he never does he nope. he, he never is like oh maybe I shouldn't have done that yep. he's just consistently like oh wow I really love two girls and that's his take on this is that he loves them both and he's not considering the fact that maybe he shouldn't have said he loved them both he's saying to, oh well, I, maybe I, he shouldn't I, have said I, I love, love you to any of them right exactly but instead of taking that stance he's like no i actually do love them both though so i gotta yeah. figure out which one i love more and then and, marry them and then, and then marry <laughs> right them away and send the other one home um and then of course the misleading trailers are leading us to believe that he's gonna like pick one and then call the other one back and say that he loves her more that's what the trailers make it look like so Never trust those, but I guess they didn't deceive us this week. It was kind of what we expected, but um, but either way, it's I agree. It's not as enjoyable as it was three weeks ago when there was still a lot of uncertainty and it's pain. It's Watch not it. as fun anymore. And I think I, I think this might be the case for all watchers. Is that like everyone I talked to knew that it was these two girls, yeah. JoJo and Lauren B, and then Kayla was going home. Um, so now it's a matter of do you care enough about their actual relationships <laughs> or do you care who wins and loses yeah. like i could care less about uh, this is terrible but i could care less about their relationship after the show's over yeah because who like who are these people <laughs> i don't care yeah. um it's yeah it's uh it's 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 weird to think of this show as something that you win yeah uh, like one of these girls is gonna win like yeah they're gonna like, win the, the, is that they what they want win. is that yeah. what they want to win like that's what they want or, or do they want to to oh. get married to him like no uh, you gotta win it's, exactly olivia so, wanted to win olivia wanted to win that's that's true um so next week is the women tell all which we have no idea what that is we I just don't but apparently we've, we've heard it's the a stories. big deal yeah and what i saw they showed the trailer uh, ben is there for the women tell all. I was thinking, I was thinking to myself that the women tell all was this gathering of the women that Ben wasn't even going to be in it, and they were going to talk about all the stuff that happened during the a lot the of show. gossip. Ben is there and addresses head on what they have to say to him. I want to see Ben in home. I need. I don't want to. I need to see Ben in some high pressure situations. Oh, I completely. I, agree. I feel like he will melt into a puddle if he doesn't have his script in front of him. I, I agree. He, he only ever. Is he's a walking quotation. He he doesn't actually speak his mind. I, I know mm-hmm. it's probably tough to do that to twenty six girls. <laughs> to not <laughs> like if you told if you told all the all of them exactly what you're thinking, nothing would end well. Um, but there was there's no point. Like he was talking about the girls at the dates, and I walked in the room and I said, "Oh, he's talking about JoJo." He'll say, "I feel the most myself when I'm around her." <laughs> he said that fifteen times. He said it fifteen times in the past twelve episodes, and <laughs> what do you know? Five seconds later, he says, I feel more I just, myself around JoJo than anyone else here. And you're like, <laughs> like, duh, like say something normal. Say, <laughs> <laughs> say like, this is going to be tough. I, I like them both. Like, yeah. Instead, he's like, Ugh. yeah. And uh, he makes up these things for each one. Kay- and- Kayla actually, Kayla called him out when he uh, basically said goodbye to Kayla. He talked about how difficult it was and all this. And she's like, she's like, you don't have to say that. Like, you don't have, that sounds like a lie. Yeah. <laughs> she, she said that. And I, I respect that because it's, 
it is you're right he's basically he's he's spewing we've said it since day one that we've talked about this is that he spews these lines out and yeah. i don't i don't mean to say that he's completely not genuine i think some a lot of it is obviously but um and obviously it's tough when you have 26 girls you have to try to talk to as if they're all you know the only person you're talking to but um but yeah i think it's uh it's at this point now flipped to be on ben where he's now the one who's going to be on under pressure really i mean both of these girls at some point that are left are going to realize that he has been saying all the same things to the other one. And I that's I want th- someone to rip him this up. Is, this is precisely, and this is having one season of Bachelor under my belt, this is precisely the reason why most of these don't work out in real life, I feel like, is because of this exact ending situation. If Ben could have... I feel like if The Bachelor was allowed to pick the winner out of the final six, let's say, I think that the the success rate in real life would be double. That's Actually, my that's my hot take. True. That's my hot take on this <laughs> yeah. matter, is that if they could pick at the stage of six women left, if you picked the winner, their real-life success rate would be astronomically higher. How is, I agree with you, how is the winner supposed to feel watching him be so... Rewatching this show, distraught, for example. Yeah, watching him be so distraught over which yeah. person... Like, okay, well, if it's not clearly me... <laughs> then why am I marrying yeah, you? Yeah, I don't want to get married. <laughs> it's Exactly. And and that... and But but it has... He he also doesn't have a choice in that matter, really, because this, of the way the show is designed. So uh, that's that's what I'm going to go with as my, my new stance on this, is that the ending it at six would, would more than double the success rate of these couples in real life. But let's jump to the last question I have for you. Whoever wins... Will they succeed in real life with Ben, their relationship? No. No. You don't think so? Uh, no. There's plenty of reasons why I think that. I, More I think because I agree. they, this is a TV show and they <laughs> brought in 26 people and right. they dated for about a month or two <laughs> and maybe had six dates. Um, there's a lot of reasons that I think that. Maybe they do. It's possible. If they stick together, they certainly make more money. As oh a yeah, TV definitely, couple. definitely. The first bachelor couple is like famous, I think, for for being that. Yes, for um, staying together and being a bachelor couple, right. and doing your rounds on whatever daytime talk shows right. you want for exactly. the rest of your life. Exactly. Um, um, but I think they last about a week or two. Uh, I'll ben give more goes, than a week. Ben goes back to being a bro <laughs> in his bachelor pad. <laughs> I don't know. I think reaches back out to all the girls he sent home. Yep. Asks them if they want to hang out. Yeah, yeah. all the girls go back to their ex boyfriends, <laughs> and everyone lives kind of happy ever after. Sort of. It's, there you it's, go. So, I don't, I'm not swept up in the. I don't think anyone is anymore. There's 20 no, seasons. Not. I don't yeah. think yeah. anyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. They yeah. get married and live happily ever after. There's like they want to see who wins. Everyone and the girls just want to win. I think. Definitely. Uh, that's why there's producer picks. That's why you pick the Bachelorette from the. The fan favorites, right. just because it's a, it's an endless cycle of entertainment, not exactly, not an actual love finding mechanism. <laughs> Agreed. So, any final thoughts, Bachelor? Besides that, um, Ben's a big loser. Yes, he um, he's <laughs> <laughs> he's a big loser. Um, sad to see Kayla go. She was our girl. Uh, yeah. she, she was definitely trending she, down. She, she was she not. Was, she was not having a good time. What, what I described it as, and uh, and again, love Kayla was one of our favorites. But in love with Kayla. In love with Kayla. You are in um, love with Kayla. One hundred percent. She was displaying signs of Olivia. Yes. Of the of the I Ben didn't have to tell me he loves me because I know he loves me. That that sign right there was a. Uh, and your, she was. Your you could sentence. tell because she was actually having trouble saying it. Mm-hmm. 
because I think it hit her that she was like, I've I don't really know this person. <laughs> yeah, that's like, and true. I, and I'm that's the other true. girls definitely definitely love him. Yeah, and I don't know if I do. Yeah, and so I gotta kind of be tiptoeing around it. Yeah, and, and I think and they, he he picked up on it, and yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. Final so, thoughts. Bachelor's getting worse. Um. Yeah. But I think almost done though. Almost, almost done. done. And I think the women tell all she'll be it will. something to it behold. Will. It'll be something to behold. And then the I hope the Lace round is table. Back. Yeah. Lace will. Lace will definitely be back. I Lace think. has got to be there. And then our round table is going to be on the thirteenth. We decided the day yes. before the finale. So so get your notes. Um. Ladies. Yeah. And and and, and the podcast will air on Monday that week instead of Tuesday. So we'll get to all that. Uh, we'll reach out to you all there. So the thirteenth. So, so thirteenth, pencil it in, and that's when we're going to do that. So, uh, last topic before we move to the final drive, Chillington weekend was our weekend this past week. We went up to Killington, Vermont. So we had some good time skiing. I'll let you touch on that first, and then I, I will talk it. about a social media thing we discovered. I'm going to touch it. Um, you can talk about the social media thing. I will. I'll talk about the mountain itself. Um, conditions not great. Um, they didn't get a lot of snow. Apparently, it was a little nicer the the day before we went up. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, giant mountain, um, really cool cabin about five minutes away. Um, overall, the skiing was pretty good. It was, yeah, um, it was, I would, it was I know we, we kind of got a, a limited view of Killington because a lot of the runs were closed mm-hmm. and they didn't get a ton of snow. Um, but you could tell that it's a big, big mountain and a lot of people love it because it was packed. And I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite mountain. It's a very easy mountain. Um, the blacks were only blacks because of the ice, not because of any real mm-hmm. challenging difficulties. Um, overall, I would say it's in the mid levels for my favorite mountains. Yeah. Um, but as a weekend, it was awesome weekend. Great, um, great it was weekend. really cool. To, we went out skiing with probably 50, 20, but yeah. the people well, actually above, skied yeah, like fi- yeah. 15, 15. And at people. one point we met up and it was like very cool to, to have 15 of your friends skiing down the same trail. Yeah. yeah. So definitely bigger group than we've ever gone with as far as the actual skiing goes. Um, I agree with the stuff on the mountain. I think Killington was good. Uh, would be a lot better to see it in its best condition. You know, we went over to the other side of the mountain at one point. Half the trails were closed. You could see grass everywhere. I mean, they didn't have a lot of snow. Not much they can do about it. Um, we discovered a big social media breakthrough. Huge, uh, this weekend, actually. So we, uh, actually, Murph from Murphy's Law uh, and I had planned a little bit of a surprise. You were in on it too, slightly. Slightly, um, to, for sure. To some awareness of it. And it was a Snapchat filter, which you can design yourself and purchase on demand for your area and a time frame that you want to use it in. So uh, we basically circled the geographical area around the house that we were staying in uh, and set the window from Friday night to Sunday morning, the, week, the time we were going to be there. And for that amount of time, everybody taking Snapchats and posting them and sending them all their friends, swipe through, and it's the filter that we created for Chillington Weekend. Blood, um, blood sweat, and, and schmears, which is a <laughs> little ski reference. So um, so popular filter. Everyone liked it, I think. Everyone and it's loved a, it. It's a good idea for your parties and everything else. We're going to do one for this podcast at some point. It was a hit. Um, I will say it was a hit. It was a hit. And, we should and do it for the Bachelor Roundtable round with all the girls. We can do that because then they can all send Snapchats and everything. And what I found is that for just for eight hours at a at the smallest area like this, five dollars. Really, five bucks. Yep. So total. F- so for twenty twenty thousand square feet is the minimum purchase you can make. So that's about this apartment plus probably four other buildings around us. I would say. Um, and for eight hours, the price is the same for one hour versus eight hours. Eight hours is the point at which it starts going up. Five bucks for the twenty thousand square feet. Eight hours. 
So you got to design the filter yourself. You submit it as long as it fits their guidelines. You got it. I love it. It's, so it's we're gonna another do it. sponsorship option. It's another, it is. It is, actually. A, it's a phenomenal sponsorship option, which we'll talk about. A filter? You, we would take a picture of us with your filter? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Well, you can't put f- pictures directly on there, but we can have conversations about that for sponsors who want to do that. The filter costs five bucks, so you pay us six. Perfect. Perfect. Six million, six, I meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six million. Um, six hundred million <laughs> for, eight, for eight hours of yeah. five dollar filter. Exactly. <laughs> but you get our faces or something. Right, right. You get something else with the, with the price yeah. difference there. So, uh, so there it is. Killington Weekend. There Killington it is. Weekend. Uh, very fun. And uh, definitely reach out to us if you want to learn more about the Snapchat filters for sure. So uh, anything else before Final Drive? Uh, no, Derek. It's been a great podcast. And I've enjoyed it with you. I've enjoyed it as well. Um, final drive. What would you like to do? First or second? I always ask you that. You do, and I hate always. Literally, <laughs> I hate can, always. I, I can choose from now on. You're going know. first. Okay, I'll go first. No, I like to pick now. Don't know. I'm okay, picking. You're, and picking. you're going first. Okay, I'll go first, even though you you made the decision on that. Um, so my topic uh, is a little bit about what we talked about earlier, actually, with the NBA. Uh, but I feel that sports fans in general, and, and sports media and sports critics have become a bit infected by the NBA perception of there being predetermined champions and content and championship contenders. Um, I get this because in recent, uh, you know, mostly focused in Boston sports teams that I follow, but in general, there's a recent perception that I feel is spreading to other sports more than I've ever witnessed in history of sports before that I've experienced, where people write their chances off of winning a championship because some other team is better than them. And I hate that more than anything. I hate the fact that, and granted, in the NBA, it is kind of true. I mean, the Celtics really probably can't win a championship against Golden State. That team is too good. But in general, you know, in hockey and other sports, I hate the fact that now teams will just start rebuilding because they just don't think they're good enough when they're a fringe playoff team. And we've talked before about how a lot of teams make the playoffs in these leagues. And an interesting fact that uh, I learned today uh, specifically with the NHL, because this was coming up around the Bruins trade deadline, was that in the last uh, eight years, I believe, the number of one and two seeds that have made it to the conference finals is the same as the number of six, seven, eight seeds that have made it to the conference finals. Meaning that there is no distinct advantage of, of uh, no distinct guarantee of being a top seed as opposed to being a bottom seed in the NHL, which is great. It's great parity. And I think the can, the perception in the NBA of the one or two teams that can win, it's starting to spread to other leagues and other fan bases, which I don't like because I don't think it's true in other leagues. Um, so that's kind of my shtick is that I think in sports, I love it when everybody thinks they can win and everybody should think they can win a championship. And I don't like that the NBA has kind of started to put that stain on on the sports world and that you just give up if you don't think you're as good as another team. So that's my in- final drive. Interesting take. Um, coming from a fringe Celtics uh, <laughs> participant. <laughs> that's- that's true. Um, okay, my final drive, a uh, little more, little more lighthearted. Um, the case I, I have recently tried both the quesalupa and the Nashville hot chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, the quesalupa being from Taco Bell, and the Nashville hot chicken being from those weird KFC commercials um, with the KFC guy who's pretending to be very weird. The KFC guy, Colonel Sanders. Um, both were pretty bad. Uh, I love Taco Bell. I love it. If you don't know that. I love Taco Bell. Um, but relative to other items on the Taco Bell menu, Quesalupa gets a 71% Steve oh, Nicholas there, avocados. There it is, 71. There's that 71. Um, relative to other foods in the fast food industry, Quesalupa is mid-90s because um, it's still from Taco Bell and has all the <laughs> same ingredients that every other Taco Bell 
item has. Right. Um, the only difference between this item and th- any other item on the Taco Bell menu is absolutely nothing. There's no difference. <laughs> There's the, <laughs> the cheesy gordita crunch is the quesalupa. It's just a tiny bit flakier crust. Um, the Nashville hot chicken, also just a, a flavor of chicken. Um, it's kind of hotty. It's like hot barbecue. It was, it was it's like hot. hot dry barbecue yeah. instead of like a wet saucy um, saucy barbecue mm-hmm. it was um and it comes with a pickle they put a pickle on it <laughs> which <laughs> makes it Nash- which makes it nashville <laughs> um that i would give a 70 percent. 70 so a little bit a little bit below the case of lupa 70 is in relation to what 70 percent in relation to all fast food items okay okay yeah so yeah cool 70 percent steve nicholas avocados not neither are good i would not recommend either of them but now you know that both are just weird, not that good fast food items. There you go. Wait, you, what a final drive. You don't even have to drive all the way to Taco Bell. You don't Bell even to have it. to do it. But you um, still should drive there. So that's my review. Um, 71% and 70% um, respectively for the Quesalupa Nashville Hot Chicken. Don't do it. There I'm it is. I'm saying it here. There it is. Don't do it. So that's all the time we have for episode 12 of You Heard It Here Second. Once again, we'd like to thank Mr. Greg's ninth grade math class at the Academy of the Pacific Rim for sponsoring today's episode. Thanks, kids. Thanks, boys and girls. And with that, we'll see you next week for episode 13. Later days.